Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast here on WXAN Radio in the windswept, beautiful rolling hills of Ava, Illinois. My goodness, how God is painting the countryside in our fields, our bushes, our trees are beginning to bud a little bit. That's outstanding. Hey, uh, here we are. April the 8th, right before Easter. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. I want to speak this morning on the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes the difference. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes the difference. Folks, if you're not prayerfully and financially supporting WXAN Radio, would you take it on? It's a wonderful investment. Danny and Leanne and the good folks here are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, sharing the best godly Christian music, gospel music this side of heaven. What a wonderful asset we have in WXAN Radio. So please support it prayerfully and financially. All right, open your Bibles today, would you? It's an exciting time. Here we are on Easter. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fundamental of the Christian faith. It's a fundamental of the Christian faith. And I want to dive right into this today because I've got a lot to say and not much time to say it. But I am your radio pastor, Brother David Pinkerton, and I'm so glad you're tuned in. And I pray that you'll ask someone else to listen today. If you're listening on the radio, you're at 103.9 FM. If you're over the internet, you're at www.wxanradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on Listen Live. Here we are at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time on Saturday morning, April the 8th. Let's get into this, okay? It's exciting to preach and teach about the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to say at the at the um, opening, and on behalf of Dorinda and Brett and I, uh, the Pinkertons, we want to wish you and your family a happy Easter. And what a time to celebrate. Celebrate Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead. All right, let's get into this sermon. The resurrection makes the difference. By way of introduction, if you have ever pondered the issues of life, death, and eternity, if you have struggled at knowing what to believe and what to reject, if you've been confronted with Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, and many other religions as their zealous advocates, but you wouldn't know how to respond to them, If you've ever hesitated and delayed in becoming a Christian yourself because you just wanted to be sure that Christianity was the biblical and the correct way, then I hope you'll listen for the next few minutes because what I'm going to share with you is so biblically accurate, clearly dramatic, and very defining that it makes all the difference in such deliberations. If you're not saved, nothing else in your life really matters. But I've met people that said, Pastor, I'm not convinced. So today I want you to open your heart and let's pray. Father, open the minds of them that believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them and they should believe. Folks, there's one defining event that settles all of this about the debates about about world religions and Christianity compared to them. That one thing is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me explain. Muhammad and Buddha lived and died. They had their followers all around the world. Their philosophies, or in other words, philosophy is nothing more than an opinion, gave rise to new religions. 
but their lives came to an end. They were entombed, and to this day, they're still dead. Plato, Aristotle, they lived and died. They were great philosophers whose works are still read and quoted, but their cold, lifeless forms have long since been reduced to ashes. Their graves are undisturbed because they're still dead. Think about this. Abraham and Moses lived and died. They were great godly men. Their legacies, and chron- uh, their legacies are chronicled in the Old Testament of the Bible. They were true men of God. We hold them in high esteem, but their bodies are yet in their graves. They're still dead. Presidents, premiers, and princes lived and die. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, McKinley, Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Reagan, presidents, all of those, Churchill, De Gaulle, Gandhi, Sadat, Mamir, major leaders around the world, all of them. Check the list. None of them survived the rigors of life. The Bible says in Hebrews 9 and verse 27, it's appointed unto men once to die. But after this, the judgment. Not one of these people that we've just mentioned are around. Why? They took their exit in death. So think about this. Great preachers that have went on before us, some of my heroes in the Christian faith, men of God who have been mightily used of God in more recent times, and more contemporary times, have also walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Dwight L. Moody, Spurgeon, Moody in 1899, Spurgeon in 1892, R.A. Torrey in 1928, Billy Sunday in 1935, Bob Jones Sr. in 1968, Harold Green in 1976, John R. Rice in 1980, one of my favorites, Dr. Curtis Hudson in 1995, Harold Seitler in 1995, Dr. Jack Hiles in 2001. Dr. Tom Malone in 2007, Dr. Robertson in 2007, Bobby Robertson. Consider them all. These are great guys, men of God. We loved them. But, folks, they walked through the valley of the shadow of death. They're gone and with the Lord now. But there is one whoever, who, however he lived and he died, and he lived sinlessly. And when he died, he didn't remain dead. He bolted forth from his borrowed tomb alive, alive, alive. Triumphantly, he conquered death. He lived again and lives today. Here's the rest of the story. I want to share it with you and the explanation for how this could be. As the old radio personality said, here's the rest of the story. Let's look at it biblically. The Lord Jesus Christ is the true God. In John chapter 1, verses 1, 3, and 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And the Word was made flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You simply cannot explain Jesus' virgin birth Isaiah 7:14, Matthew 1:18-25, Luke 1:26-38, his victorious resurrection, Matthew 28 and verse 6, and his visible ascension to heaven, Acts chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, apart you can't explain them apart from the mighty acts of none other than almighty God. Jesus Christ is the 
only true God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the everlasting God. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he hath made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And thou, Lord, in the beginning wast, or hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, 8 and 10. When, when, when a person finally understands that the Lord Jesus Christ is the everlasting God, then they begin to grasp the dynamics of this whole matter. That Jesus is not a mere man who lived and died. He is, not, he is more than just a leader, a teacher, and a counselor. More than all these things, folks, he is the God who had no beginning and who has no end. From the eons of eternity's past to the eons of eternity's future, Jesus transcends time with his eternal, everlasting person. Thirdly, consider the Lord Jesus Christ is the all-powerful God. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Matthew 28, 18. A very, the very contemplation of omnipotence, that means all power, is both compelling and convincing. Consider Jesus' creator. Listen to this. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out from his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as an heap. He layeth up the depth <clears throat> in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Psalm 19. Verses 1 through 6, Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9. Consider the incre incredible ramifications of Jesus, the Almighty Creator, of the universes coming to earth and personally to make an arrangement, arrangements for the eternal salvation of all human beings, His creation. Think about this. In John chapter 1 and verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He didn't say the baptistry took away the sin of the world, or your good works, or your belonging to a church, or a club. He said the Lamb of God, Jesus, that taketh away the sin of the world. 
The only way you'll ever have forgiveness and eternal life in heaven, my friend, is to put your faith in Jesus and Him only as your personal Savior, because He is the eternal God. He is salvation. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name in heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And friend, you must be saved, and that means you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting Him and Him alone, and His shed blood on the cross of Calvary as payment for your sin, His burial, and His resurrection the third day. He paid the price. Trust Him. He is salvation. Now think about this. We've seen that Jesus is the eternal, all-powerful God. We've seen that Jesus is the everlasting God. We've seen that Jesus is the true God. Now consider with me that human beings are destined to die. The Bible repeatedly sounds the alarm to alert us so that we will know what to expect. And that's this. Life is short. Death is sure. Decades ago, a scientist working on cryogenics was a guest on a national talk show. They were trying to develop a way to freeze patients who were terminally ill until a cure for their disease was going to be discovered. The plan was then to thaw the patients out and administer the cure. The scientist arrogantly made the statement, I'm going to live forever. Well, folks, guess what? Human beings, men, delude themselves with such dreams of living forever on earth through means of technology, science, advances in medicine. But guess what? You can only put off death for so long. Death comes. The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment, Hebrews 9 and 27. Death often comes by accident or by violence. We don't know by what means that God's going to do it. But if Jesus doesn't come back, we'll all go through the valley of the shadow of death. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus is your Savior? If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? You can know that. The Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that ye have, not going to get in the future, but currently have everlasting life. If it's everlasting, then you can't lose it. If it's temporary life, then God's a liar because he calls it eternal and everlasting. And if you were to have it and then lose it, that means God lied. And the Bible says clearly and repeatedly, by which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Think about this. Jesus Christ paid your sin debt. Humans are going to die. Now suppose this. James 4 and verse 14. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Every cemetery should serve as a stark reminder of the reality of death. No matter how high you may fly, or how much you may possess in this life, you are not exempt. Presidents die, preachers die, pundits die, no exceptions. Walk through the graves and notice they're in a line. Study the markers. Many of those who preceded us in death did not live to be old. 
They intended to live a long life, but something happened, and now they're gone. If what you can do is all that can be done, think about this. What would you offer God if he said, if you died and he met you at the gate of heaven and he said, why should I let you come into my heaven? What would you tell him? Well, religion says, I've turned over a new leaf. I've been baptized. I'm a member of a church. I give to charitable organizations. I'm a philanthropist. I've done good. I've worked for Habitat for Humanity. Or on and on, good things. However, God doesn't accept any of that as payment for the sinner's sin debt. The Bible says, for the wages of sin... We're born sinners with a sin nature. The wages that we earn from that, by being a sinner, the wages of sin is death. And that death is described in Revelation as the second death, in eternal damnation. So in other words, if you die without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will go to everlasting flame in hell, and then consequently the lake of fire, because you're going to go there and pay your debt. But the good news is someone has stepped in and paid your debt for you, and his name is Jesus, because he's the manifestation of God. He is God, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to shed his blood on our place, to be buried and resurrected, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You can't do anything to change God's mind, friend, but trust Christ as your personal Savior. That's all he'll accept. He won't accept your Sunday school pen, your song leadership. All the years you've listened to me closely. Some of you religionists, you listen to Pastor David closely. Jesus said many are going to come to him one day and say, Lord, we've spoken your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've delivered people in your name. He said, I'm going to look at you and say, I never knew you. Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? Or are you riding the coattails of a Christian wave or people you admire over YouTube or on social media platforms and ministries and hoping you can attach attach yourself to them and they'll get you to heaven somehow? It won't work. Jesus said if a man tries to get into heaven outside of going through the door, and Jesus said, I am the door by me, shall you go in and out and find pasture? That means you must trust him and him alone as your Savior. Friend, you're a thief. For thieves and robbers try to go on some other way to heaven than through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, that cleanseth us from all sin. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you been born again? In John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Except ye be born again, ye shall not see the kingdom of God. Friend, have you been born again? You better get saved if you're going to go to heaven. So, You can do all that you want to do, but you can't convince God to let you into heaven without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to recognize something here today. As we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in who he is and in your salvation. The Bible says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption put on incorruption. You see, the long-term difference is you can't save yourself. (laughs) You can't do it. 
There's nothing you can do to clean yourself up, make yourself look look good to God. So here's what I'm saying. You say, what are you getting at, Pastor David? I'm taking a long way around, but I believe it's spirit-led. Paul said this, because of Jesus' resurrection, the stranglehold of sin is broken on the person the moment they believe on Jesus as their Savior. The demands of a holy God are fully satisfied so that the guilty, condemned sinner, that's me and you, is set free from condemnation. And hear me clearly, we are set free and it doesn't cost us a penny. It is free to us because Christ paid the whole sin debt with his blood, burial, and resurrection. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, folks, it makes all the difference for every human being. Now, let the resurrection provide you a true difference in your life. Trust Christ as your Savior. Now, find this out. Would you write this moment honestly and truly acknowledge the truth of what we're talking about? You know that you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. That Jesus died, as the Bible says, on the cross for your sins. Would you admit with a sincere heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great God of creation and that he did, in fact, come to this world to die on the cross and to then resurrect from the dead? Will you acknowledge that? The Bible teaches that, my friends. Will you then face up to the fact that you're a sinner under a sentence of condemnation, a penalty that dooms you to everlasting burning hell? Will you admit that? Will you acknowledge that the gospel truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's payment for your sin and his provision for your forgiveness and salvation? Will you believe that? Now, having knowledge that I've shared with you biblically today of these truths, will you put your faith, or in other words, your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone to save you? It's not Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus anything. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Right now, will you call upon Jesus Christ to save you? If you would, listen to the word, the verse, the verses rather, and then I'm going to lead you. Listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 9, 10 and 13. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you lift your heartfelt prayer to heaven and place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you would, from the sincerity of your heart, follow me in this prayer, friend. God will save you. He hears you. He's more willing that you'll call upon Jesus and be saved 
then you are to be saved. So from the sincerity of your heart, follow me in this prayer. Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. I acknowledge that you are God and I'm a guilty sinner. I'm helpless and I'm hopeless. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I believe that you died for me, was buried in the tomb, and resurrected the third day to pay for my sins. And that you rose triumphantly from the dead. I want forgiveness of my sins and for you to take me to heaven when I die. Now, folks, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you've prayed that prayer, listen closely. I repeat this weekly, but I I do encourage you to write me, email me, have someone you know, email me, get my attention. It's drdave13 at gmail.com. drdave13 at gmail.com. And if you've trusted Christ to be your Savior, I want to hear about it. I want to rejoice with you. I've got some free information that I'll be glad to send to you. I'll mail it to you. It'll help you for steps in a new direction as a new Christian. And then I'm going to ask you, Christian friend, are you telling anybody at all about Jesus, about his death, burial, and resurrection from the grave so they can be saved? Or are you going through life, not winning souls, not witnessing for Jesus, not handing out a gospel tract, not sharing the love and the grace of God with someone who's dying and going to hell? Shame on you. Ask God to revive you. Ask God, pray for God to revive Pastor David, to keep soul winning the forefront of our minds and preaching the gospel to a lost world. Now, folks, I do preach around from time to time when I get opportunities. If you'll email me at drdave13 at gmail.com, I'd be glad to talk about coming and preaching for you, helping your church get strengthened, be revived, and get on fire to do the things of Christ because Jesus is coming again. So let's rejoice over the salvation of the lost, your salvation today. Christian friend, ask God to revive you. The Lord said, David said, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Folks, that's what it's all about. We need revival. Our country so desperately needs leadership. Folks, we need revival in this country. Ask God to remove the wickedness from high offices in this country and replace it with men and women who are Christians primarily, but who are constitutionalists, who believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, who believe in integrity and honesty, who believe in the Founding Fathers being Christians looking for a place to practice their freedom of religion. And so God gave them the United States of America, not what revisionist history says. Pray for revival. Vote for elected officials who share biblical values, constitutional principles, and who have courage to stand up. And then you stand up and be counted. Pray and vote. Speak out. Let people know that Jesus is your Savior. You're a child of heaven. But in the meantime, we must protect 
the freedoms and the liberties we have in this constitutional republic of the United States of America. Because the secular humanists and the socialists and the communists and the media, corporate media, is trying to take away your rights and freedoms and privileges. And so is a wicked administration in the Biden administration. It's a wicked administration that's in the White House today. He wasn't elected. He was appointed. So I don't call him president. I call him Administrator Biden. Because through voter fraud, massive voter fraud, and cyber uh, forensics and cyber manipulation, they stole an election from Donald J. Trump. And the world knows it. But God allowed it for a purpose. And maybe he just allowed it so me and you would be revived and his people would get revived and beg him to correct what's going on in America. We love America. We must defend it prayerfully on our knees. Verbally, we must defend it by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and supporting elected officials that stand for separation of church and state and the freedoms and the liberties that our founding fathers gave us. May God bless you. May you have a wonderful Easter. Jesus resurrected from the grave. Keep looking up. Jesus is coming again. Thanks for listening to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. God bless you all. This is your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, speaking today and honored to be here at WXAN Radio. God bless you. Celebrate. Let's rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus Christ.